Welcome to Recover Strong, a podcast that will transform your recovery from an eating disorder by helping you go from theory to practice to mastery. This is your special time to learn new skills, tools, and get the inspiration you need to recover strong. Let's get started. Hello, my warrior friends. How are you all doing? Welcome to this podcast. My name is Jessica Flint. I'm the founder and CEO of Recovery Warriors, a multimedia resource hub for all things related to eating disorder recovery. I personally recovered from an eating disorder and am here to inspire you to do the same. I believe recovery is not only possible, but it's worth it. That is why Recover Strong exists, to help you see and connect to the potential that lies within you to find freedom from an eating disorder. Today, we are going to be talking about this one decision that you can make that will lead to surprising positive shifts in your recovery. And to join me in this discussion is Andrea Wells. Now, Andrea is taking over Recover Strong. So starting from today forward, Andrea will be the new host of this podcast, Recover Strong. And I'm just so excited for you guys to get to connect with her. We'll be doing some series together to to get some more time for her, for you guys to get to know her and learn more about her. But Andrea, Welcome to Recover Strong, your new podcast that you'll be taking over. (laughs) Thank you. I'm so excited. Um, I was a listener of the podcast many years ago, and it's all come full full circle. Now I'm going to be the host, and I'm really excited to be um, going through this period of transition with you. We'll both be here. Uh, Jessica's not going to be bam gone. (laughs) She'll be hanging out for a little bit as she hands over the reins, and I'm so excited to start the process. Me too. I always love to go back to like the origin story of how we connected. It was almost a year ago, right? I think it was probably around this time. Yeah, almost exactly. It was like the first week of August. (laughs) Yeah, we sent out an email through Recovery Warriors uh, email list and about hiring for a few different positions. And you applied for the executive assistant position. And when I like had your application come through, I literally like spit out my matcha (laughs) matcha tea because I was like, what? Like... You had all this experience with radio broadcasts. I mean, you went to college for that. That was what was your degree. And you worked in radio. And it was just like, wait, you are not going to be the executive assistant. Like you are like made for this role as our podcast producer, which you have been on on for the past year. You've been producing all the shows that you guys have been listening to. Andrea has been behind each and every one of them. And really wanted to step it up and actually, and I loved how you advocated for yourself. You're like, I really want to, I really want to do this. I want to have this opportunity. And so I love that you're, you're taking it on boldly. Thank you. I know it felt like, I feel like we use the word serendipitous when we talk about this. It felt serendipitous to me on my end. Um, Cause as I mentioned, I was a listener of recovery warriors many years ago, uh, played a big role in helping me recover from an eating disorder. And though I feel in a pretty good place with recovery, I always stayed subscribed to the mailing list, the newsletter, the email newsletter, and I would always just read it. It's just nice. It's amazing. It is amazing. <laughs> <laughs> I loved it. Um, <laughs> Even though Shout like out. I felt in a strong place, like <laughs> maintenance is important. It just always like reinforced ideas and beliefs that I had. And then one day the email comes in as it always does. And I'm like, I, I give it a read. One of the few newsletters I actually read, even now, obviously <laughs> I work there, but I, I keep in the loop <laughs> and um, I see the job posting. And it was at a time where 
I had experimented with going back to work for um, five days a week, which I hadn't done in many years due to really severe mental health issues outside of eating disorder. I've had other mental illnesses that I deal with and I'm healing from. And I had started working a very boring phone job. <laughs> it was so boring. It was work from home. Um, but it was nice to kind of get my feet wet and experiment with working five days a week again. But I just kind of knew like I wasn't loving it. I was thinking about maybe it's time to look for something different. And a couple days after I had that thought and had that conversation out loud with some people, this email come in, came in and I'm like, this is perfect. Like I'm so passionate about recovery. It's related to my experience with broadcasting. Um, I have a history in that from a few years ago. And it was just about like, the jo- this job was made for me. Like, <laughs> it was perfect for me, it felt like. So even though it wasn't initially, initially podcast producer, it was executive assistant, it still felt right just to be in a recovery environment and be involved in a podcast slash broadcasting type company, which I have experience with. And it has evolved and blossomed into something that um, I didn't know I was ready for until I was in it. And I've still been working every day, <laughs> doing pretty well and growing in this role. And I'm I'm so happy for all the things that we've done and all the things that are to come. Oh, me too. Yeah, I'm just, I feel so blessed that, yeah, that it was a very serendipitous moment, event. <laughs> and just work so this episode, we're going to, of course, dive into this one decision that can lead to surprising positive shifts in your recovery. And we also want to use this opportunity to give you guys some updates on what's happening here. So obviously, this is a big update that Andrea is going to be taking over Recover Strong. Now, I'm not going anywhere in the sense that I will still be heading Recovery Warriors, and I will be starting a new podcast in the fall called Love and Learn. And so I will be working with that. And we're actually slated to have another podcast come on called In My Body. And that one's going to be talking a lot about helping you guys transform your your body image, your your ideals around body, how you view your body. And I'm excited for that show to to be a part of our network or our podcast channel. So we're going to be extending out the Recovery Warrior shows to multiple shows that really touch upon all of these different parts that go into recovery, the love, the soul work, the the mind work, the food, the body. And we just know that it's a very multifaceted thing to recover in, in many different stages that you're at and different things that you're really interested in. And so I'll be covering more around love, inner love, uh, how to form really great relationships, working on healing attachment issues and trauma issues. So that's kind of what's on the horizon. And Andrea has been behind the reins for all of the Equip to Recover podcasts that we've been producing with Equip. So that podcast series is coming to an end uh, next week. So thank you for everybody who tuned in and listened. We were really grateful to have that opportunity to work with Equip to produce that. And Andrea just did such a great job. You can check out all the show notes and everything that we did. Great job, Andrea, with with doing that. And just so excited for, for what's to come here. And that's what we're really getting into with this show is looking at commitment and what we're committing to as a company to really help everybody, all our listeners, to help you guys evolve and get to the next step in your recovery, whatever that is for you. Because for some, you may be starting out. For others, you guys may have been at this for years and years, and maybe you're farther along and you're just, as Andrea said, like using this as maintenance. And others, you know, this could be really what is helping you realize all these like awakenings around, oh my gosh, this is how I've been behaving around food and this isn't this isn't the truth or this isn't how it has to be. I don't have to live like this. And uh, yeah, so that's kind of part of this for us. And another cool thing, so I've been kind of, so I've been laying low on the podcast scene lately because I've been doing some 
deep, deep work on what we're going to be rolling out in the fall. And that is we're bringing back the Courage Club. Now, the Courage Club has had two iterations of it. And each time it gets better and better. And we've just had the most amazing outcomes when people go through it. And the main feedback that we got was that people wished that it was longer, that they could stay in the experience longer. And that's something we're creating here in the fall, just to be able to have the ability for someone to come into the Courage Club and stick with it for for the long haul. And and there's a reason where I've always said this on the show. Now, for listeners who are newer to the show, this podcast dates back to 2014. I started it when I was living in Mexico. I started it in my little casita on the beach in Mexico in May 2014. And it has definitely had its ebbs and flows and how the production of it. And when it started, I, I was started actually as a means for me to talk about the app that I built. So the app was the Rise Up app, and this is a self-monitoring app that allows you to track your mood and your meals and deliver that information to your therapeutic team, your therapist, your dietitian. Because I firmly believed, and I to this day still believe, that these points of connection in between your therapy sessions are the most crucial times to make the changes needed. I believe that weekly therapy is not enough. You can't just go in once a week and expect your recovery to really take shape and root and form. You need to be doing the daily work. And of course, that takes a lot of effort. And people go like, what? Like, you don't have to always be monitoring your meals or your meal logs. Like, I don't think that's the exact thing. But making it a consistent practice day in and day out, that's how you actually see the growth in your recovery. And I saw that there's this huge, like there's these gaps in care. Like people would come in and they, or they go into a residential center and they have a whole month there where it's 24-7 care and then they leave and there's this huge gap in, in their care. And this has always been a problem that I wanted to solve. And so the Rise Up app was one means of doing that to allow people to do this daily self-monitoring work, to gain more self-awareness around their patterns, to communicate that to their treatment team. And it's really, you know, had a, a huge impact in many people's lives. And part of that too was helping people connect to therapists and connect to dietitians through our help finder. And so there over the years it evolved. But I first started doing this podcast because I was like, I want to get the word out about this app. And from there it started to be like, wow, I actually really love podcasting. I love talking with people and I love interviewing them. And I was very passionate about the topics of recovery and like the early stages of it. I was at that point, um, you know, about seven years, I think five to seven years into my mating disorder recovery. And from that point, I did see with my own personal experience and then from many, 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 many more years of doing this and meeting with, you know, hundreds and hundreds of students that recovery takes at the minimum, minimum, this is my, my belief, minimum, of three years from which the point that you fully commit. Now, now I, this is what we're going to dive into in the show because there is a difference between I want to recover, I'm trying to recover, I'm doing therapy, I'm, doing a di- I'm going to a dietitian, I went to a treatment center. All those things are, yes, part of recovery. But when you actually like draw a line in the sand and say, no more, I'm done with this. I know that it's not going to be like black and white, one day in, one day out, and I'm completely changed, but I'm done. Like I am resolved around the fact that I'm no longer going to let this be dictating my life and who I am and how I show up in the world. When that becomes like, and I'm talking like this is like like an inside like shift. It's an inner shift, which I call a commitment in this sense. 
three years is what really needs, like that is the amount of time someone needs to truly let this take root so it has the strong roots to fully blossom or form. Like it's, it is a fragile state you're in in the beginning and you need to have that consistency for I would say three years, keeping it front and center. Doesn't have to be, like it's a priority in your life. Or I like to say it's like keeping the eye on the ball. Like you have to keep your eye on the ball for three years. And when you get all, oh, I don't need to keep my eye on the ball. I totally got this. Boom. That's when you get blindsided and get smacked in the face and have a relapse. You can even have relapses within these three years. It's not about doing it perfect, right? Recovery is never about doing it perfect. But it's this three years of concerted effort and priority around this this idea of I'm recovering, my my recovery is my priority, that you'll really see it anchor and take root. And it can take longer. It can take longer than three years. I have not really seen under three years, to be honest. I've seen vast improvement. Like, whoa, like I am totally in another place. Like I can't even imagine how I was, where I was two years ago, one year ago. I've seen that. Totally. And all my students now, because I've been doing this for so many years, they come back to me like, I even just had one the other day. She's like, yep, three years. I totally got it. Because at first I was like, no, I'm doing great. Like she literally said, she's like, no, I'm doing fine. Everything's like, it's so, because she was in the Courage Club and she was just seeing all this momentum and growth. And and then she like came back. She's like, yeah, you're right. Like definitely it was that three years is really when you really start to see, see it take root. And so what we're providing now with the Courage Club and what I'm just so excited about is the opportunity for people to, at a, an investment that they can actually really, because we, you know, recently we've been doing interviews upon interviews with our, our listeners and with our community members to really understand like what are their needs. And y'all are paying a lot of money for your therapy, for your dietitians. Like recovery is like the most expensive thing, like to like have to be investing all in this. And so we've been able to find the most cost effective solution to really allow you guys to stay in this daily regular support environment that's going to nurture your recovery and help you grow. And uh, I'm excited about it. There'll be more that I'll be talking about, but just bringing this back in a whole new way, a whole new vision around how we can truly help people and this commitment that we have to nurturing your guys' growth and really starting at the seedlings of the food and body issues. That is something that I will humbly say that I have not done well with this company, if I'm to be fully honest, over the past several years is I've focused more on the soul work and like how to grow into your actualized self. Like who are you outside of your eating disorder? That's what lights me up. When I see people in recovery, like actually changing like their outer world and like getting into relationships that they're so happy in and doing these new jobs and these new creative pursuits like that. Oh my God. That's like when I get so excited and I just skipped like the steps that y'all like really need help with the food and the body issues. And you know me, I'm more existential, more all of that. And and I'll continue to get to do that because that's what I love to talk about. But we're definitely focusing more on the brass tacks, practical. How do you make sure you become a regular eater and how do you face your fears how do you grow into your body and allow and allow that body trust that you so desperately need in order to really progress in your recovery so andrea has been in all of our our team meetings as we talk about this so any thoughts about what we're building here with the the courage club and just this ability to help people with regular daily support and structure in their recovery yeah no i think that's amazing and i think you 
brought up a really good point about like you can go through the motions, you can go to your therapist, you can go to your dietitian, but if your heart's not in it, that's a whole different a whole different thing. But when your heart's in it and you're committed and it's a practice every day, having something like this, like I wish I had that <laughs> back in the day when I was um, earlier in recovery. I remember kind of having to create that on my own, going to online communities or doing um, therapy worksheets <laughs> related to my eating disorder um, most days because it, it was a priority of mine. I God, yeah, I wish I had a group like this. And I love the group environment. I did go to treatment groups and support groups. And there's such um, a power in having other people to to speak with and share with and learn with and grow with and heal with. Like, I think that's amazing. And to have something that's so accessible to really help reinforce things in between therapy. Like, I'm so excited for everyone who gets to try that. I wish I had that early in recovery. I think we have a lot of potential to um, make a big difference. And I'm so excited for that. I know, me too. I've seen it work. You know, we've done the two iterations. It works. Oh, and I wanted to touch on you talking about the three years thing. I agree. <laughs> it takes a few yeah. years. It may not be, you know, exactly like how, what's 365 times three, whatever the days. It's not going to happen like being on that day, but it does take a couple of years. And I remember early in recovery when I first heard that, like, you know, like to get in a strong place recovery, it takes a few years. That was scary to me. It made me feel like, should I just give up now? Can I do it? Because, you know, I struggled with all or nothing thinking, which I think is really common for people with eating disorders. But what kept me going was someone brought to my attention, like, you, it's not like you're going to be feeling the way you are now for those whole three years. It's a gradual, Mm -hmm. it's an upward spiral, right? It's a gradual improvement. So look back. She was like, look at how far you've come. We were in a treatment program and it'd been a month. And she's like, look at how far you've come already in a month. Don't look how far you have to go. Look back at how far you've come. And I'm telling you on the days when I was like, I'm going to give up, that's what saved me. It was like, I'm thinking, oh my God, I still have so many years to go. No, I've, I'm a year in already. Look at what I've done. Look at the things I've overcome and the progress I've made. It was a game changer. <laughs> so you're not yeah. going to be suffering for a nope. whole three years. It gets better day by day as you do the work. It's an improvement, a gradual one. And that I also can see that like, oh my gosh, this is like going to be part of my life forever. No, it's not. It doesn't have to be unless you want to like, you know, join a company that helps people recover, like then it becomes part of your life forever. But in a good way. Um, but, <laughs> but in a totally, totally different way. Yeah. <laughs> totally different way. Uh, but th- but this idea that like you still need to, as I just, I, as visually, you, you have to keep your eye on the ball. You have to stay active in it because once you let down that guard, then you can find that these 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 little things that haven't been fully worked on yet uh, haven't they can creep up and so that three years is an, an important thing and when you said too about having your heart fully in it I think that when I've talked about this with people especially I mean a lot of the people we work with the, a lot of my students have been I mean decades literally the, the average person we work with has been struggling with this for at least two decades if not more and so it's not like we're getting people who are like I just found out I had an eating disorder and I mean that, that tends to not be the people who are listening to this show. I mean, if you are, awesome, because you're going to get early um, detection and that can help you know, with your recovery efforts. However, if you have been struggling for a long time, recovery is totally, totally possible. And you may question, well, I've been doing this for more than three years and I haven't 
seen this, what you're talking about. And Andrea kind of mentioned this thing, like when she was fully in it with all her heart. And you may think, well, I have been into this. Like I've been trying. I have been making an effort. I've done this multiple times, these attempts to, to really make this happen. And one thing that when you said that, Andrea, I thought about is like there there can be fear. When fear is stronger than the love in the heart of like the, the heart, I think, is like a very symbolic of love, right? Like this is our center for love. This is the seed of 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 that within us. And when our fear is much stronger than the heart, it's a, it's harder to make a commitment around it because the fear blocks that. The fear kind of comes in and says, yeah, but, all right, but we're going to do this, but, you know, I can't tolerate the weight gain or I don't know what's going to happen. The, the letting go, the surrender, the control, all of these things of just trusting the body. So that's what I, one thing I found is that the fear, in order to really make this commitment, the, we have to let go of that fear. The love inside us has to be stronger than the fear inside of us, which is something that takes a little bit of time to work with, you know, the, to understand the fear. So Andrea and I are actually doing a little mini series up into the launch of Love and Learn in the fall, where I'm bringing back some shows that I did around really looking how to alchemize fear into courage. And the show is called Fearless. There's a, a quote I love by the, the scholar Joseph Campbell, and he's the man who coined the, this idea of the hero's journey, which really talks about how we all as, as humans go through these incredible journeys in our life of overcoming. And he, he talks about it in, in sets a series of stages. And in the hero's journey, he finds that where we we overcome or we face our dragon, it's this idea that the cave we fear to enter holds the treasure that we seek. So like the thing that we fear the most is actually what behind that is our gift. So my kind of question for you, listener, is like, what do you fear the most right now in your recovery? Like what, what or in your life, right? It, this can be a, something outside of even your your recovery, but you're here, you're a recovery warrior, you're listening to the show. I'm sure you're interested in recovering from your eating disorder. So what is one thing that you are so deathly afraid of? And could the possibility be that behind that fear is what you ultimately will find the greatest gift? So that's kind of an important factor here is owning that fear as part of this process. But the true commitment and the when you're really ready to like go all in on your recovery, fear can't be in the driver's seat. Fear can't be dictating your decisions because when it does, it just pulls you right back. And so we really want to tackle that fear because I do think that is is ultimately what is a stranglehold on on a solid recovery is letting go of those fears. Andrea, do you have any fears that you can kind of think back to for when you were in recovery that were like your big dragons? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think a big one at the beginning was a fear of change. Because when I started to recover, I'm in my early 30s now, I was in my mid to late 20s. And I'd been living that way since I was a child, like elementary school years with different behaviors and thoughts and feelings around food and body. And to suddenly imagine doing something different was terrifying. It's even though I knew and I understood it was not helpful or productive or good for me <laughs> to keep going down the path of disordered behaviors and living with an eating disorder, 
uh, it was very destructive. And I knew that. But when it's all you know, and it's like, you look at doing it a different way, that was really scary. So it was a fear of unknown, a fear of change, a fear of leaving what was familiar, even though I knew on one level it was the best for me. So there was a lot of fear there. A lot of fear as well around um, like, and this is probably unique to when you're recovering in a larger body, but a fear of being invalidated, like a fear of professionals, friends, family, and and I think this can happen no matter what your body size is because there's most people don't look the way society thinks everyone with an eating disorder does look. So there was a lot of fear around like, oh, you're not very thin. Your bones aren't protruding. Like, are you sure you really have an eating disorder? Are you just making it up or faking it? Like, no one ever said that to me, ever. It was all an internal fear. But that was a really hard thing for me to overcome the fear of being invalidated or doubted um, in recovery. That was really hard. It took a lot of courage to get through that and open up to my first therapist about this and enter um, some support groups. I had a lot of fear about being in a large body in recovery in a group where everyone was smaller than me, potentially. I had a lot of fear around that. So those were probably my two biggest fears was change, um, the unknown, and going through recovery, opening up about it when you don't look like the stereotype of an eating disorder. Yeah. Those are common. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. But you know what? But actually one thing. Okay. So this is an important part with the commitment. There's going to be a, a huge opportunity or I think necessity to process grief. It for some, it can be a very natural thing, but I think we have to always honor when we commit to something, when we make a decision, the little like the actual, when you look at the Latin word of decision, it means to cut off, meaning you have to cut something off. In order to make a decision, you have to say yes to something, which means you have to say no to something else. So when you're committing to something, you are saying no to to something. Meanwhile, you're saying the yes to what you're committing to. So if you're committing to recovery, you're also then not saying yes any longer to the coping strategies that kept you afloat or that kept you safe or that made you feel protected. Whether they're helpful or not, these things that you've been living with that have been a part of your life, you have to let them go. And that inevitably will bring up grief. And grief has multiple stages to it. One, you can just deny it. You can deny that this isn't even a problem. And that's when you're not truly committed. If you're still in the denial, you're really like, "Eh, this isn't that bad. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) And so when you can start to see like, okay, there's this pattern. I'm denying that it's existing. I'm denying it's as bad as it is, or I'm denying that it's even causing me issues, or I'm blaming other people, or I'm blaming my circumstances outside of me for it. This idea that when we look at the actual circumstances for what they are, and we see that, okay, I'm I'm a player in this. I'm not a victim in this. I'm actually a creator of this. I'm not the victim of this. And We also get anger comes in when we process our grief. So much of my life force, my energy, my like love, my whole being put into this. Like, dude, I wasted so much time. And it's like we only have a certain amount of time in life. And I wasted so much of it, right? The anger, like anger at myself, anger. And, you know, of course, that's when self-compassion comes in mega to then be like, okay, I feel this anger. I feel this anger and the injustice of being born into this patriarchal society, like with all this systemic impression of how women have to fit some beauty ideal in order to be considered worthy or lovable. It's, it's all just 
like something that I've been unmasking more how much the patriarchy has just like disrupted so much of of our lives in in really deep ways that I don't think I ever fully dove into when I was in the recovery process. This has been more a newer thing. And Barbie was a great movie, actually, by the way. <laughs> a little plug for Barbie there. <laughs> it really like highlighted it. Um, but then there's also bargaining, right? So this other stage of grief is that we bargain. We think like, well, I can have this and have that. I can I can keep this behavior and, you know, it's not that bad if I just like restrict on the side a little bit or I just keep doing this and but I'm like still going to my therapy. Like, so it's kind of this like, well, I can try to have both. So this bargaining kind of this like ooh, and then the, the depression can come in. And then finally, when we sit with our grief long enough and we cycle through this denial, this anger, this bargaining, this depression, we ultimately get to a place of acceptance. And when we get to this acceptance, then we create allowance and we create space for for the new energy to come in, whatever that is. And and one thing that came up for us was like with our brand, like actually choosing the colors. Like, guys, I have been running Recovery Warriors for 11 years. And I'll say that I've been committed to the company. Like I've definitely been here for 11 years and have not let it go or like I've, I've held on to it and I've taken care of it. But I haven't fully committed. Like, and you're about to see Jessica commit now and it's gonna be really cool mm-hmm. because it's a whole nother, like, that's where I'm saying you could be struggling. You can be like doing something for 11 years and like putting tons of hours and tons of energy and like everything into it, but truly not being fully, fully, fully committed to it. And one thing that was really symbolic of that is we never really committed or I never really committed to a color for our brand. It was always like black and white. And I was like, black and white, that's the color. But like, generally you want to have another like kind of strong color that, that comes in. And I, over the years, just never like c- could commit fully to a color. I had a few and I tried, they just never felt right. Like it was like trying it on, but you're like, okay. Like it, it just never felt like, yes, like a full body. Yes. To the color. And then when we, uh, kind of came out with this, the new, the new network and the new uh, kind of vision of creating the recovery warrior shows, which is many voices, one journey and bringing multiple voices into this and many different shows that really can, you know, create this holistic uh, map of the recovery process. I, we started to bring in like all these colors and you guys can kind of see in the artwork where it was like all these colors, it's green, it's orange, it's yellow, it's purple, it's blue, it's like everything. And like, that's just like pretty much an avoidant kind of like non-committed, like, yeah, I can have it all. And like, you know, not really fully commit to a color. And we got to a point where we're now developing out the Courage Club and getting everything ready for you guys to be able to enroll in it. And I'm like, working with our brand designer, Madeline, I'm like, what is like our color? Like we don't, like I was severely just like confused. Like how do we like, we don't have a color. Like it, we don't, we aren't committed to a color here. And there was a huge process that we just had to go through to be like, no, we're owning it. And so you go to recoverywarriors.com because the website has been completely remodeled. If you haven't been to it in the past day, get your booty over there, recoverywarriors.com and check it out. You can see our color. And it also still like once you have a color, you can still have other colors that come in, right? You don't have to be the solo color, but you'll see that we did really land on a color. And it's 
it's exciting. And the color, I'll, I mean, for all of you are like, what's the damn color? I don't want to go to the website. It's pink. <laughs> and it's pink. And it's, bar, you know, Barbie pink. It's not, and it was not inspired by Barbie, but I'm actually taking that as like a really cool synchronicity, like that Barbie's just like this box office, like smash right now. And like literally in the same time period that we're like really coming up with our color, which in the very beginning, it actually was like a pinkish magenta. I called it femgenta was the initial color of the brand, but just never felt like it was fully the right color. But I did rock femgenta for many years. And but now we have on the brink pink in anybody who's on the brink of truly transforming the recovery. That's what this uh, this this pink color is all about. But and now that I've committed, by the way, now that we're committed to pink, I can't even tell you how much clarity and alignment I have. Like before when we didn't have a commitment to a color, I literally was kind of like lost and I felt I felt like I was being pulled in all these different directions, like from a design standpoint. Like we as a company, we're very design forward as at Recovery Warriors. So that's like I think one of our main we really value design. And so it was like wait, who, like, what color is, like, how do we, now that we really, like, boom, it's pink. It's, like, all of a sudden, everything is just, like, lining up and locking and loading in place, and it just has this alignment to it. And and I really kind of encourage you to look at your recovery when you're fully not in it, when you're pulled in all these different directions, all these different fears or whatever things that are pulling you away. It's, like, that energy is just getting sucked out from you and going all these different directions. But when you bring it all in and you condense it and you commit to it, it really does create this whole, it just like this past becomes blasted open because of it, because that energy now is all focused. But I'll tell you, cutting off, like when we were in the process of picking the color, cutting it off was actually extremely hard for me. Like it wasn't because I I was like, but what about green? <laughs> like, where's like, but green's awesome, right? Like, I, I like I, I, all these things are just like, well, what about this? And but you mean we're not going to be able to do this? Like, it it just felt like I was losing all these things. But once again, once I once we really got in on it, it felt so good. And like, but that's kind of ways of looking at with your the recovery process is like. Where are you still not wanting to fully commit? Where are you still bargaining and thinking, well, but we can kind of have everything. I can have it all. Let me try to like have a little bit of this and a little bit of that. And I'll say that letting the other options go will feel hard to let go of certain behaviors or like, and I'm talking about color, but let go of certain colors felt really hard for me. Like it didn't feel like an easy decision. Like it actually caused anxiety and like, didn't want to fully do it. But then when you do, that clarity comes. You know what you need to do. You know what needs to happen. And you're no longer stretched and all pulled in all these directions. So I'm excited about that. I do feel that just this little small act is is like created this huge ripple effect. And I felt it already. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah. Pink. Oh no, that was another thing I was going to say about the pink actually. So when we were doing our colors, so we had like a very broad color palette in the beginning of like all these different red, like I said, like rainbow kind of green, blue, orange, yellow, every color. Like It's kind of like, what are we? We're every color. Uh, and w- when I was working with uh, Madeline, our brand designer, like whenever we would have a lot of pink in something, I'd be like, oh, the pink, like too much pink. And like, it was, that was like our little like joke almost. Like she's like, well, Jessica's not going to like all the pink in this one. And so it was always like, I was resisting the pink. I was like, no, like 
too much pink and it's so girly. It's so like too teenage girl. And I, <laughs> so I like had an aversion to it. Like I was actually like, no, like, like let's blue, more blue. And, uh, but then we did this, like this idea of shadow work. Shadow work is really what we're resisting or what we're like averting or aversion, like we have an aversion to is actually what is the answer to us. It's it's the medicine in some way, shape or form. And I'll talk about shadow work more. But so that was actually what was the act, the color was pink. Like, and I had to let go of my aversion, like whatever was my blockage. I had this resistance to it. And I do see this very symbolic in the recovery process too, where you have this complete block, this aversion to something. You're like, no, no, not that. Uh-uh. Like, get that way. Like, I can't have that. Like, I think about so many of you guys are struggling. Waking, no, aversion, no, no, block it. That's your pink. <laughs> your pink color is a freaking like waking. You're like, no, no. And then it's like, no, embrace the pink. Because all of a sudden, like you'll just feel so much more aligned. And it wasn't easy for me to like fully let go of all the other colors and embrace the pink. But it was this idea that like that was actually what I was resisting the most. And ironically, what was the salvation? If that's kind of a powerful word to use in this. But what what really I do believe has transformed like you guys will go to the site and it's just it all clicks now. And it really didn't click before. And it just fits together so well. And it was not fitting together before. And so it that that ability to have that like clicking into place is where then we have the solid foundation to grow from. And when we don't have that, it's like a, it's a, it's a container with a hole in it. And so you're really trying to like create this beautiful environment to grow something and it just goes out in all these different directions. And so when we can create a strong container for that, right? And so container is around a commitment, right? The commitment becomes the container. Uh, this commitment to a color, this color has become the container in which we can now do all of our, our work with our design and everything from that. And it just makes all decisions so much easier because it's not like, well, what is it? Is it this? Is it that? Is it this? Is it this? So it's all of a sudden like with mechanical eating, you know, no, it's you eat at this time. You, you, you know, you, and you, as you're learning how to explore your hunger cues, you go to a mechanical eating technique, like if that's what you're working with your dietitian or your coach or in, so this idea that like when we create this container, it holds now the, the structure that we need in order to grow. When we don't set that container and we allow for all this bargaining and wishy-washy, yes, no, maybe so, denial is not that bad then it just has it has a like very hard time to really take root. Yeah. What do you think about the pink? <laughs> we never really ask you the design questions. Andrea's not <laughs> she's our podcast producer. Not, not my job. <laughs> yeah, not your job. <laughs> Too many cooks in the kitchen. <laughs> Madeline and I like obsess about it. I love design. Like, oh my God, it's like my favorite thing. Yeah. No, it looks good. Um I think the colors, it's not just one pink. It's like we have a couple pinks that feel very cohesive and soft and warm. Those are the feelings and thoughts that come to mind when I see it. And I don't think it's too teenage girl. I think these are some nice shades of pink. <laughs> I like them. So there's a site where you can bring in the color, the hex code the into it. So like every color has a six digit hex code to it. And so that's where we got, it was called On the Brink Pink. And then, and then the other one was radical red, and I was like, "That's so cool!" Like, just and the other ones we named, we have in the nude, which is more of like a nude pink. Um, but all these are kind of variations that tie in with on the brink pink. 
And then the other one is Inner Beauty. And that one's a little more, that's kind of the Barbie pink. I was going to call it Barbie pink, but I felt like that was a little controversial. (laughs) But I was like, I'm so into that Barbie movie right now. And just like, I feel just the alignment of that happening at the exact same time that we're unrolling our whole new brand kind of feels aligned in the stars for me. (laughs) Box office smash. Yes. But yeah, so hopefully you guys were able to get some insights today about commitment. And no matter how long you've been at this, to look at, you know, where how committed have you truly been? And this isn't about shame or blame or anything. It's about saying like, well, maybe that hasn't been the thing. Maybe I haven't truly committed. And because I, like I told you guys, like I've been in this company for 11 years and like I'm now committing to it. So you can have a lot of times that you're trying to, trying, doing it, not fully doing it. Going through the motions. Going through the motions, letting trauma kind of have the wheel, fear, have the wheel, whatever. Not you, full sovereign, you being able to dictate and make the decisions that are really truly in your best alignment and interest at the wheel. And when you do, what will that look like and what would it look like for you to give yourself a good solid three years of keeping your eye on the ball? of really keeping recovery as a priority, as something that's a focus in your life. It doesn't have to be the sole center of your life because, of course, we want to get you out living life, building a life outside of your eating disorder. But how can you make sure that you don't lose sight of that important growth that's happening through it? So any closing thoughts, Andrea? So excited to have you here and be a part of Recover Strong. Thank you. Yeah, no, I'm so glad to be here. And I'm happy that you're here to guide me with the transition, <laughs> hand me off formally. And I know you'll uh, we'll be having some dual episodes coming up in the future. So I'm really excited for that. And are we going to talk a little bit more about the Courage Club? I feel like we kind of got like, when is it starting? When can people join? Do we know yet? Oh, well, we'll talk about that more. Um, I know if you guys are interested, uh, we you can go to recoverywarriors.com right now and you can get on the wait list there and we will be talking more about it. But we'll be uh, opening up doors in the fall and we'll be doing a smaller cohort in the beginning to kind of get the right formula. So the way we're, we're working at this, which is kind of a unique thing and there's no community out there really like it. And as you guys know, I'm an Enneagram 4, so I am like to do things unique and different. Uh, how we work this is we are going to do a larger community, but inside of a community we'll have a smaller village and then inside of that we'll have a smaller pod. So I found over the years that having large group sizes can, well, let's just say I'm an introvert. So I'm speaking more from an introvert's perspective is having like thousands of people in in a space just doesn't feel very like connected and safe and secure. Uh, And so we're creating a very small knit community feel which all of our programs have been with a larger community. So the community can continue to grow and expand. But when you come in with your cohort in the Courage Club, you'll have a very like small, intimate container, and then you'll be able to connect with others. So the best analogy that I can kind of use around this is when you go to high school and there's all of these people, hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of people in your high school, but then you end up having your core class, let's say your homeroom or whatever. And so you get to know those 30 people more than others. And we are going to be matching people that will take applications to make sure we're uh, getting in people who are truly invested and really wanting to recover. That's an important part of this for us is that one thing that we know is a lot of people can have this 
doubt that like, hey, like I don't want to be with people who are going to trigger me. And that's not the community that we're building. We're building a community of people who truly are committed to the recovery. So that's very important for us is that that commitment is there and that is modeled in all of our members. And that way we can have a pro-recovery community that not only helps people in the midst of the eating disorder to overcome it, but ultimately grow into who they're, they're meant to be at their highest potential. And that's where I get excited. I want to be on that end. <laughs> that's where I'm like, yes, let's get you there. <laughs> yeah. uh, but first, we do have to focus on the food and body yeah. and those aspects that are so crucial. Yeah. I feel like eating disorders are totally about food and body and totally not at the same time. And <laughs> both, both sides need to be addressed. And I have a question when we're talking about commitment. Yeah. Is there like an actual time commitment to joining the Courage Club? I wasn't, we're not um, kidding when we say I mostly just work on the podcast. I don't know all the details about the Courage Club. So I was wondering, is there like a commitment? Is it, how does that work? So it's a month to month commitment for anybody who, who wants to kind of try. We do encourage people. So we have different paths that you go down. So the first is becoming a brave eater. And that's where we're helping you have a balanced relationship with food, regular, adequate variety, eating out experiences. So we have this whole brave eating model and we work with warrior challenges that you can do to get the actual real world application of it. Like this is where I have a, a big bone to pick and I love podcasts. I'm a podcast listener myself, but podcasts are passive. Like you can go and podcast, listen to one, but take no action. And so action is truly what creates results. And so what we are all about here is theory to practice to mastery. So this podcast is theory. You just heard about it. Commitment, three years, get in on it. Love greater than fear. That was right? my all question because when you said but, three years, I'm like, does that mean you commit to three years of the Courage Club? But you don't. You can, but that's you can't, okay. no. But you can. That's that's my hope. Actually, is that someone will commit, and that's what we want to have is that container for them. Because what I found is once we start working with people, they have all these other gifts that they want to talents they want to nurture, and that's where we're going to expand out more of our curriculum to actually help people now be courageous in what they want in their step up in their career. We have had people who who get massive raises, who step into huge leadership positions, all of that. And when you have these you know, sisters backing you and, and having this really close-knit community who knows you and who's been with, like, through the roughness with you and are now here to cheer you on for the next stage of your life. So it's really, like, for me, it's more than just an eating disorder recovery community membership. It, it is about having the courage to fully step into what you want in life and who you want to be. So it can be a three-year commitment that someone can make to doing that and we'll have more opportunities for exploring who you are outside of the eating disorder within it. So I see it much more as not just about the eating disorder. It, when you get in, you, you walk down the path, right? Our food path first, then we, we explore the mind path and then the body path and then the heal path. And all of those are a full year if you want to go down all of those paths. And that would be a whole year of, of steady, consistent daily effort in your, um, in your recovery. And the way we're doing it is it's this is experiential education. So it's truly making your life the experiment lab. You need to take action. That's really what it's all about. When you take action and when you say no to things that are hard to say no to and yes to things that are hard to say yes to, that's when you truly see the shifts in the embodiment of change, the embodiment of growth. And so that's what it is about. It's really about experiential education help you prioritize your recovery, your self-care, your self-love, and ultimately your self-actualization, like who you who you ultimately want to be in this world. So 
Yeah, but it is a month to month. So for all you commitment people out there, <laughs> all you commitment challenged people like me, the month to month can be like, all right. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's not, I don't have to commit all the way, but um, I do recommend checking it out when it's available. Um, once again, it will be taking applications and and we'll be really careful about how we build this community out and we want to be very intentional with it. Mm-hmm. Make it as safe as possible. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Very safe, safe place for people to to feel seen and heard in their recovery. But ultimately, it is about taking ownership of your recovery and having the support and structure and accountability you need to succeed. Um, but at the end of the day, only ourselves can, can um, really make a recovery happen. Nobody else can do it for us. Absolutely nobody. And nobody can hold us back. That too. (laughs) Nobody can hold us back. That's an important thing. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. Beautiful. Well, so awesome to connect with you guys. And we'll be having podcasts coming up around helping you fear less. And Andrea will be taking the reins of Recover Strong. Equipped to Recover will be ending. And In My Body will be starting up in... Um, the fall, early fall, and then Love and Learn will be happening in the late fall or in the fall as well. So get ready for a lot of action here and uh, go check out our new color, pink, <laughs> at recoverywarriors.com and all its other friends, other pink friends and red friends and color friends. So <laughs> it's, all, it's all a big happy family there. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you for having me. I'm so excited for everything to come and to take over as host. And thank you so much for the opportunity. No, me too. You're doing great. Thanks. (laughs) Bye, everybody. Well, my warrior friend, thank you for having the discipline to listen in. If you found this episode helpful and know somebody in recovery who could benefit from its inspiring message, please share this show with them. It would mean the world to us at Recovery Warriors if we can get our cause out to more people struggling with an eating disorder. So if what you heard today was helpful, share the show with another warrior or anyone on your treatment team. You can do this directly from your podcast player or send them over to recoverywarriors.com. We have a goldmine of free resources there for all stages of recovery. And until the next episode, may compassion light the path you are on and courage keep you on it. You totally got this, warrior.